Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by the Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Many people don't call their optometrist first for urgent eye care when they need it. From spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections, if you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications, no referral necessary. And just a reminder, Alberta health coverage is available toward your urgent eye care appointment. To find an optometrist in your area, visit optometrists.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. Learn more at optometrists.ab.ca. One of the most important things in a relationship is honesty. Agreed. Whether it be between your friends, with your loved ones, uh, if you're if you're regularly keeping secrets from someone, that's not a sign of a healthy relationship. Unless that secret is a surprise party. Unless they really hate surprise parties. But also, if someone hates surprise parties, you'd think that they would have been open and honest about that with you. One would you hope. Would, then you would know not to do the thing. Right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, obviously pertinent to today's chapter. And yes. arguably pertinent to several of our previous chapters, too. Probably pertinent to the rest of the novel. It's kind of been a running theme through this book, at least with us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's important to be honest to the people you care about. Agreed. I mean, you can still be tactful. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there's a difference between being honest and being mean. Yeah. And yeah. some people confuse those two things. Indeed. So, something to keep in mind. But at any rate, a uh, quick recap of our last chapter. Our heroes have a brief argument on the tarmac before boarding a very sketchy and rickety plane <laughs> and flying all the way to Carthage, uh, where our adventure continues in Chapter 17 of Beneath the Rising by Primi Mohammed. So I titled my notes because of the beginning of this chapter, Leave Brittany alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but uh, Hamid does have a brief moment where he thinks he recognizes Johnny. And, I mean, Nick is spooked by this. He's like, oh, God, he saw wanted posters. They put up wanted posters about us. <laughs> we're, we're hooped. And uh, then he actually has mistaken her for Britney Spears. <laughs> Which, I mean... In my mind, Johnny looks nothing like Britney Spears, but this is also like early 2000s Britney Spears. So it is possible that this might be a weird case of all white people look the same to him. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and she's small and blonde and famous, and Britney was also small and blonde and famous. But, so. I mean, arguably, she's still blonde and famous. Yeah. I'm just saying. And especially if a lot of white people look the same to him. <laughs> yeah. Right? Hard to say. Hard to say. 
Uh, at any rate, that is, again, getting a little ahead of ourselves because that uh, little incident doesn't happen until they touch down. And before they touch down, Nick actually does catch a little bit of sleep on the flight and is woken when they make their uh, their shaky landing. Uh, he asks how Johnny managed to stomach that landing. And she's like, I, I packed like a ton of gravel. <laughs> well, not gravel specifically, but similar. Uh, basically, yeah. yeah. I looked it up. And Nick's like, why didn't you tell me about that? The guy who has air sickness. Well, and her reply was, what my reply would have been, did you not see me loaded into your backpack? Yeah, and also, you were asleep at the time, so, and you clearly needed it. Having landed down and had their little awkward exchange with Hamid, they catch a cab to the library. And uh, Nick is feeling, as he puts it, quote, unmoored from time and place, because he's just so outside his usual experiences that, like, he has no... There's no landmarks he recognizes. He doesn't know exactly in the world where he is right now. Um, he's lost track of time. It's it's left him in this weird liminal space where days and weeks are blurring together. Yeah. I know this, this novel is set in the past, but that's good preparation for his future. Uh, there's a pandemic coming where time means nothing anymore. I mean, we don't know that the future of this timeline is identical to the future of our timeline. That's very true. They arrive at the university library. It looks very bank-like to him. Okay, this was the best part about this, where the university library looks like a bank, but not like a real bank, like a movie bank, <laughs> right? With, with its triangular roof, right? And its floated pillars, and it's very fancy. And the thing is, as soon as, as, soon as he said that, I knew exactly what it looked like. Oh, yeah. Right? If I tell you it looks like a bank in a movie, you're like, oh, yes. But here's the thing. I would argue that there are a lot of classic libraries that look like that too oh probably like the when i think of like the new york library from ghostbusters it kind of looks like that as well when i think of the library they go to in indiana jones and the last crusade it kind of looks like that too right this yeah. this great big like this state architectural <laughs> stately front yeah, right this edifice, yeah. yeah classic pillars and whatnot yeah, yeah yeah the point is though you know exactly what it looks like oh, in your head for sure a very evocative writing from uh, premi muhammad there they walk through the front door. Johnny is immediately swarmed by people who instantly recognize her. Ironically, realizing the worst fear that Nick had with Hamid like an hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> except this time it's real. They know exactly who she is. Yeah, because there's a giant picture of her on the wall with donor written <laughs> over top of yeah, it. Yeah, basically. Uh, because she, of course, is funding this university and is responsible partly for this library. The good news is they're eager to please her because she gives them money. <laughs> So she quickly manages to uh, kind of weaponize that and orders them to go and, like, prep her a bunch of stuff. I wouldn't call it weaponizing it. Well, it's it's the first time that them being recognized in a foreign place has been a useful tool. Very useful. Yeah. That's true. Um, she needs access to their rare books and the internet, and they hurry off to accommodate her. Yeah. The money is here. Hop to, everybody. Uh, Johnny rubs her eyes, begs off for a minute, returns washed up somewhat and in a clean shirt, having taking a, a quick trip to the loo. I was actually curious at this point, do we know when the last time she slept was? I think on the bus ride to Fez, maybe. Maybe. Mostly we're keeping track of Nick, who is not keeping track of Johnny's sleep. No. So she probably has, because the human body can only function for so long without it, but we don't really know when. I just sort of assume that she's long. been nodding off randomly the same as Nick has. Mm, possibly, but we don't know that for no, sure. No, we don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing. Seemingly refreshed, Johnny hits the books. And before long, she starts drawing a spell formula on her laptop in black Sharpie. 
when she finishes it, something happens. It activates. And it clearly begins to take a toll on her. Like, she immediately is like, all right. <laughs> Super tired. She explains that it should help obscure their location and hide when she's using her prodigy powers. So she's basically turned her laptop into a talisman. Kind of. Nick again asks if he can help with magic points. And she says, well, it turns out, yes, uh, for sure you can. It was actually a very common practice back in the day. But it was so common, everybody assumed everybody knew how to do it. Nobody bothered to write it down. It's one of those ubiquitous things that everybody's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone just knows how to do it. There's no reason to to write it down because it is a universal skill everyone knows to do. Yeah. I like how she explained it to him. It's like writing down the rules of tag. Yeah. Well, everybody knows how to play tag. Why would you, why would you bother writing down the rules? Yeah. Right? It's super obvious. There's something else that happens here in the library that I want to talk about really quick. She's talking about uh, capital them mm -hmm. briefly. And she says one of the differences between them and us is that they don't trust their librarians. Like we trust our librarians and they don't. And that's like a major difference. And I'm like, they, they don't trust their librarians. A, do they even have librarians? And B, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean they have no like historical knowledge that like they didn't acquire themselves? Is she getting at something that I don't understand? When you're dealing with a species who apparently trucks in magic in a very significant way, where magic equals power, I can see how knowledge would then be a treasured resource and would be jealously hoarded. So it is very possible that for a species that steeped in, in magic, they would be very careful about who they disseminate information to. Whereas in our world... Knowledge is more freely available because it's not inherently dangerous necessarily. Necessarily, I suppose. Some knowledge, I guess. Yeah. I don't need to worry about accidentally telling you a spell that will destroy the world by giving you the wrong book. That's not necessarily the case here. Now, granted, if I gave you the specs for how to design and build a nuclear bomb, that would be bad. Um, uh, I suppose. But you'd still need to be able to get the resources. In the case of magic, all you need is magic points. And boom, you've done it. So again, I can see how it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one comparison. Okay. And how knowledge in their case might be something that they hoard jealously and therefore would not trust keepers of knowledge. Because that guy might know stuff that I don't. He's not going to share it. <laughs> That's no good. That's no good, exactly. Mm. There's another little bit of... Uh... Uh, friendship building in here, a little little bit of friendship banter, where, where Johnny says if she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. That is lifted almost word for word from the movie Wayne's World. And I know that because I am intimately familiar with the movie Wayne's World. Uh, Nita watched that movie a lot in her teens. Yeah. You know how when you're a kid, you, you find something you like and you consume it over and over again? My brother and I watched the same movies over and over again a bunch. And one that I really fell into was Wayne's World. Anyway, just wanted to point that out, that it's a line I recognized from a movie I know really well. We can carry on now. Now, the thing about research is that it's super boring. And uh, especially when you're not the person doing the research. So Nick very quickly does not care anymore. No. Um, and well, also, he, I mean, he, he can't really help Exactly. Much. Like, this is, this is way above his pay grade and requires skills that Johnny has that he does not. So he decides to go keep an eye out and freshen up a little bit himself. And then, like, 
makes a circuit of the campus just mm-hmm. to check it out. Drinks all the water. Yeah. Well, because he's making a circuit of the campus. Yeah. And there's water freely available. He starts to notice that he's being a little paranoid. And I mean, he noticed this a little bit on the trip from the airport as well, that every time he looked at a wall, his first thought was like, could I get over that if I had to escape from a place? Right. All of the buildings he's like... Uh, assessing for jumpability. And escape routes and <laughs> yeah. whatnot. Um, and, and now he's in a very packed public place. And every now and then a student will give him an, a, an askance glance. And his mind is immediately like, that's an agent of them. <laughs> They're going to get me. But he acknowledges he's maybe being a bit paranoid. He also finds himself getting a little envious of the students and their lifestyles. Because, I mean, he's never been able to afford post-secondary. These are people who are affluent, mm-hmm. who have the freedom to attend post-secondary and the the resources to attend post-secondary. And that's always been kind of out of his grasp. So seeing these students being carefree in the quad, it it pings a little bit of envy in him. Yeah, a little bit. Like, these could be his people. Johnny has offered him the means to go to post-secondary before and has encouraged him to go to post-secondary. But again, because of his family situation, he feels that it's impractical and that it's out of his grasp. So... He might technically have access to the resources to go, but he doesn't have the freedom to go. That's true. Or he doesn't feel he does anyway. Indeed. He also ponders a bit how he and Johnny have fundamentally diametrically opposed worldviews. And this is something we've touched on before because Johnny is the very upbeat optimist and he is a very negative cynic. Which is interesting because I, I also feel on the other side of that, in some ways, that Nick is very much a realist. That means that Johnny is the fantasist, right? She truly believes that she can save the world. She can do all of these things. And Nick's like, well, no, it doesn't really work that way. She has very lofty pie in the sky yeah, kind of ambitions. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Nick, as more realist, as you suggested, kind of sees the world as it is and goes, I don't think that's going to work out. But it does also kind of break into optimism versus pessimism as well. Because yeah. Johnny really believes that with enough time and work, her inventions can essentially change humanity. Not just improve the world for humanity, but fundamentally change who we are Mm -hmm. in a positive way. And Nick's like, people don't change like that. Well, and it relates to what we were talking about many chapters ago about how Johnny thinks she's curing the disease but she's not. She's just treating the symptoms. And that's kind of where Nick's head is here, too. Yeah. Because he's saying, like, no matter what tools or toys or conveniences are at people's disposal, it's there's still going to be people who are going to exploit those things and exploit other people. Yeah. Like it doesn't it doesn't change the way the world works. He may, thinks Johnny it, is naive. It may change the world. It might not change how the world works. It might change the world. It might not change people. And those are two different things. Yes, that's a good way of putting yeah. it, too. Starting to feel a little weary not having gotten a really good sleep on the plane either. Uh, (laughs) Go figure. He didn't sleep well on that plane? Nick makes the mistake of sitting under a tree and quickly dozes off into another creepy dream. Oh, he has the creepiest of creepy sleeps. This one is more than just a creepy dream, though, because he awakens in a lucid nightmare landscape. Yes. And is briefly worried that he accidentally slept through the end of the world. (laughs) It. That was funny. It kind of made me think like he was in his own version of the Upside Down. Kind of, yeah. From from Stranger Things? Well, if we, and I'm, I'm not even going to crack open the Lovecraft box here and go into full detail, but if you're looking at a Lovecraftian cosmology, then there is a dream world. Yep. 
a separate reality that we access through dreams. And that could be where they're communicating with him here. Makes sense. Again, not going to go into into a lot of detail about that right now because that is a whole episode on its own. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yeah. When I say that he is being communed with here, that is the case because he is spoken to by something which wishes to make him an offer. And Nick immediately refuses. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to accept any covenants, no bargains. I would rather, you may as well kill me now because I am never going to accept anything you offer. They make it pretty clear, eh, Nick, sweet, stupid Nick. We have no intention of killing you. That's not going to happen. We need the impossible box. Failing that, we need Johnny dead. And you're right there. You just have to kill her. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just just do just it. Just do the thing. We'll make it worth your while. Again, he says no to both, obviously. But they insist, look, you kill her, and that paves the way for us to remake the world. And we can remake the world however we want. You could be big and important in the new world. You wouldn't be little Nick living his crappy life in St. Albert. You could be big Nick, king of the world. And he's like, um, no, nah, look, Johnny told me all about you. I know that all you can do is destroy and that you're going to destroy the world. And they're like, oh, she told you that, did she? And you believe the girl who's been keeping things from you all this time? Because listen, buddy, she's actually in the thrall of something much worse than us. You should be aware of that. Nick won't hear it. He trusts Johnny. He trusts that Johnny has told him the truth. And they're like, uh, she hasn't told you everything, sweet Nikki. And before he can reply, everything goes white, presumably because he's waking up. That is the end of chapter 17. Mm -hmm. So now I don't trust anybody. I don't know that we can trust them. But, I mean, but probably we can't. <laughs> probably we can't. Let, let's be honest. Probably we can't. Uh, but based on what we know of Johnny and how she's been acting... And what they say, I didn't trust her all that much. Well, that's not true. I trusted her to begin with. I trust her slightly less now. And so now I don't trust anybody. I didn't trust her at all before. And this is devastating from my readership perspective because the seeds of mistrust had already been sown for me and Johnny. Because, oh, for sure. Because Johnny has been keeping things from Nick since literally the beginning of the book. Yeah. She's never telling him everything. She's no. always drip-feeding him things as he needs to know it, and kind of begrudgingly even then. It's true. I, I realize that on a deep level, it might be justified to her that she's just telling him what he needs to know because knowing everything is dangerous. To protect him. Yes. The optics of it, though, as a reader, is that she can't be bothered to slow down to explain things to the dummy. I would go so far as to say the optics of it from my perspective are that she is jealously hoarding knowledge. Could be. She doesn't want him to know certain things. And that is a lie. That is a lie of omission. Yes. Just because you're not telling him an untruth doesn't mean you're not withholding the truth from him. And that seems to be the case. And that's certainly what they are telling Nick right here is she is not telling you the truth. And again, the seeds for that have been sown all over this book. Oh, because, absolutely. Because she has not been telling him the truth this whole time. She's been drip feeding him a little bit here and there as he's needed to know it. Yeah. And I could have told you without them having intervened that she wasn't telling him everything already. Oh, we've been talking about that. It's just that since, now. Since chapter one, how she, we know she's not telling him everything. And I will say this, from what we've seen so far, they uphold their bargains. And Johnny's been working real hard to subvert it on her end. So <laughs> I don't know that she's trying to subvert it so much as she's simply trying to find a loophole. And she, to be fair, she has said that they're very good at exploiting loopholes too. And certainly they are trying to exploit a loophole in getting Nick to kill her for them. Yes. Because 
they can't attack her directly. Nick is not them attacking her directly. No, and he's, let's be honest, the closest person to her. But literally. Physically, the both, closest person both to physically, her. physically, <laughs> emotionally, like, maybe not mentally, depending on how you define that. But he is in her presence. She trusts him. Yeah, I don't know that she does. Because if she trusted him, she would tell him everything. Let me let me be clear. She doesn't trust him 100%, but of all the people she trusts... She probably trusts Nick the most. She trusts Nick the most. And I mean, Nick... She trusts him enough to tell him more than she's telling Rutger and to bring him with her. I mean, yeah, and her trust in Nick has been uh, borne out so far because he's come this far with her. Yep. The question is, is she taking advantage of him? But that's an entire, entirely separate situation. Well, that's a whole other speculation that we've had. We also don't necessarily know that she's been telling him the whole truth about who they are. That's true. She suggests that they are these great and terrible monsters, but for all we know, the they in this equation are those elder gods who used to protect the world from something much darker that she's tapped into. Could be. We don't know who she's directing this fight against right now. Not yet. We just have to trust that she's told Nick the truth. We do have to trust that. And again, it's because we're in Nick's head and not Johnny's head. We only have as much information as he does. So, yeah, like I said, I don't trust anybody anymore. Well, I mean, I trust Nick because we're in his head and he's been pretty honest with us so far. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I don't think he's lying to himself. In fact, if anything, I think he's been very brutally honest with himself a couple times. Which is not to say he's not an unreliable narrator. Because he does underestimate his own capabilities time and again. Yes. At least I think he does. But uh, we definitely can't trust Johnny, and we probably shouldn't trust the the ancient eldritch monsters living beyond space and time the moment they show up and say, yeah, we also don't think you should trust Johnny. Well, Doesn't necessarily mean that they're trustworthy. Especially because they show up all creepy and hissy and smelly and slimy and I mean, scary. To, to be fair, just that is speciesist of you. They yes, are hissy and slimy and smelly monsters, and that is very rude of you. To suggest that that makes them inherently untrustworthy. Look, if Premi Mohammed had wanted us to be all excited and gleeful to see them, she wouldn't have made them scary. Okay, for the record, never trust an angel. If you see an angel show up bathed in a halo with wings, run for your life. Because that is <laughs> that is a trap. Nothing good ever comes from speaking to an angel. So beauty does not equal good is what I'm saying. So <laughs> Don't make me laugh, I cough. Uh, Nita's dealing, it's very smoky, and uh, I guess we should have maybe mentioned this off the top. Oh, yeah. Because of all the wildfire smoke, the air quality in Alberta is just crap right now, and it's been affecting Anita uh, much my, much my, more seriously than me. So. My sinuses do not care for this smoky air, and I sound like I've been smoking a pack a day. I, I promise I'm not. It's just it's just the wildfire smoke filling my lungs and making for a husky need of this yeah this day okay before we go i want to touch on just one one more thing that stood out to me when nick's having his uh introspection about the differences between him and johnny there's a line sort of near the end where he says but both of us can't be right implying that one or the other of them is right about the way the world works right how he's tried and he can't change people that sort of thing Mm mm-hmm And the immediate answer in my head was, that's right. You can't both be right because you are at odds. But you can both be wrong. That's true, actually. It was almost immediate in my head. Like, that's true. You can't both be right. But you can both be wrong. So 
I'm kind of willing to bet that that's actually the answer there. And we're going to find out what right is later. I mean, we're dealing with monsters that don't have black and white morality. So there's that right there. See? Showing that there there can be different uh, ways of viewing things. A Vorlon once said, the truth is a three-bladed sword. There's your side, my side, and the truth. Yes. And uh, that is definitely the just called that to mind. A little Babylon 5 reference there. <laughs> I was about to ask. Not going to put the sci-fi drop in here. Just, <laughs> just a little Babylon 5 reference. Sorry, it did actually come up apropos of nothing on my uh, on my Twitter timeline a f- few days ago. So it happened to be close to mind when you mentioned oh, that. Oh, beautiful. But uh, uh, words of wisdom. Babylon 5 actually had a lot of wonderful little uh, words of wisdom. A very slow-paced series. Kind of hard to watch in places because of that. But uh, a little ahead of its time, I think. Worth checking out. <laughs> All right, now that we Babylon as, 5. <laughs> not as boring as people say. Uh, at any rate, uh, we'll, uh, we'll not talk about Babylon 5 more next week. You'll want to uh, read up on chapter 18 before then. And uh, in the meantime... We've got, we've got a new ad to read this week. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by the Business Council of Alberta. Have you ever wondered what it takes to create a good life in an equally good society? One where people, businesses, and the environment can flourish? Alberta Better, a podcast by the Business Council of Alberta, is on a journey to understand what it takes to create a good life here in Alberta and how we, as Albertans, businesses, and governments, can shape our society so everyone prospers. Find new episodes of Alberta Better on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at businesscouncilab.com slash Podcast. That's businesscouncilab.com slash Alberta Better Podcast. New episodes drop every other Tuesday. Fantastic. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you can find other podcasts as well right now on the Alberta Podcast Network website. Uh, there are a number of new podcasts which have recently landed in the network. Worth checking out. If you can spell Alberta Podcast and Network... Google will be your friend. Or you can just go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. But you still have to be able to spell all those words. It's true. If you do find a new podcast that you want to check out, you can probably grab it on your podcatcher of choice while you're there. Be sure to give us a little rating and review as well. That does help our optics a little bit. And we like it. I mean, the the very concept of our podcast necessitates that we're not going to have a huge listenership, but uh, it does help us a little bit. Uh, to get a few more eyes on what we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we can also be reached on social media. Absolutely. We have the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, and the Goodreads. We're at the read along at most of those. That's true. You can also get a hold of us via email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. Breathe safe <laughs> where it's smoky. And, uh, We'll see you next time. It is not guaranteed that we will not talk about Babylon 5 next time. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, all read-along music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>